Hello everyone and thank you all for bearing with me. Um, I'm still obviously getting a lot of things figured out and trying to figure out how this works. So um, I probably hope no one ever listens to these because they are not the best quality and not that great, but um, we're still getting the hang of it. So with that being said, um, I went ahead and was able to watch episodes two and three of season one of Netflix's Bridgerton. Um, since it's just myself for right now um, discussing these, it's a little easier to discuss two or three episodes at a time, i found, um, instead of just the one, since I don't necessarily have anyone to bounce anything off of. And the show is actually really good. I'm really, really enjoying it. And I found myself at the end of episode two thinking, well, I just kind of want to keep going and binge this, and then I might as well just discuss uh, both the episodes at once. So um, episode two is titled Shock and Light. And just with all the episodes that dropped on December 25th, 2020, writing credit goes to Janet Lynn and directing credit goes to Tom Verica. Brief synopsis, Simon's apparent courtship of Daphne angers her brother Anthony and threatens to ruin the arrangements he made. Marina opens up to a curious Penelope. So, um, this is a good episode. It, it continues where um, the last episode left off. Um, I, I think the whole... Um, really mean dad is plot is a little tried as a trope, um, but that's fine. That's fine, um, especially after this episode and the third episode. It's clear to me at this point that they are just unabashedly, unashamedly making this basically a bodice ripper, this, this series, which I don't mind. It's, it's fun. It has its place. It's enjoyable. Um, and that's all that matters is as long as people are enjoying it, especially after a year like 2020. Um, Lord knows we could all use just some honest-to-goodness escapism and um, fun in our lives. So I do think um, – I, I keep thinking that there's no possible way women, even as young, even if they were like 16 up until whatever age Daphne is supposed to be – um, don't know where babies come from, and that does keep it a secret from people. But maybe I'm just not as well versed in the social history of the time that it was really possible to keep people this in the dark, um, especially young women, about where babies come from. Um, so I thought that was a little unbelievable, but it works for the relationship, and it works as a crutch to keep the relationship between her and the Duke growing, and to, you know, intimate that she's getting all these suitors, but she keeps turning people down, and to kind of establish some more of the character perspective that he's leading her own, but he might not do anything about it, but it just develops all that tension, and then it gives them something else to bond over as two characters, and obviously it's not the same thing as sex, but when he tells her to um, try touching herself and see what it feels like, um, it's definitely heavily implied, and I think the intention even from him, the Duke, is that she would do so while thinking about him. So while it's not sex outright, and they obviously haven't kissed or made out or anything because that was not kosher for the time period, um, it's an interesting development to give them lots and lots of sexual tension, but also keep the social mores uh, consistent with the time period, and they just really build up that that tension. Um, I always enjoy a gratuitous shirtless fight scene between guys. Um, I, I I get a lot of tones of the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie when I see the Duke fighting with his friend. But um, again, bodice ripper. It's perfectly acceptable. Just shirtless guys, really ripped. Got really well well jacked for the scene. And they do really, really well in there. 
Um, the characters are definitely progressing well, I think, and getting to see more of the Duke and his backstory and his father and giving him um, a, ch a chip on his shoulder, um, like all good brooding uh, lead heroes should have. Um, I have to imagine this is what um, Han Solo's father might have been like if we ever met him and why he was so cynical and brooding. Um, I don't think it's, necess it's, it's believable that the Nigel character could hold this entire family hostage by just going to the press and saying, oh, well, she threw herself at me and we were alone and she really wanted to, to jump on top of me and have sex with me. It just seems very unbelievable, even at the time period, that just this one guy would make an insinuation and everyone in the family, including the Duke, wouldn't be able to just step forward and say, this is not what happened, it's all our words against him, he is the burden of proof on the accusation. So I'm having a little hard time believing that plot, and it just does seem a little incredulous to me, and I really can't take that threat seriously, because I, I just don't think that um, it's really conceivable. But I guess the way the universe has been established, with the Queen being a primary role player in the Gossip Columns, and the coming out, scene and the balls and the debutantes all being part of really this this is it this is the pinnacle of their social circle um i guess i could see it as being believable from from that angle and it's necessary for the plot i don't think it's historically accurate necessarily but um i don't think the show's about historical accuracy um i think there was a quote i read a long time ago when i was watching the hbo rome show that the creators of that series were going for authenticity over accuracy and I definitely think that applies to this show, is it gives you an authentic feeling of what that time period may have been like. If you were plopped into it with your current sets of friends or social circles. Um, and I think that's really admirable, and I really enjoy that. And of course, a good gossip montage to end the episode is always appreciated. Um, hopefully I'll be able to have some guests on in the coming weeks, and we might be able to go back and do a retrospective on the whole season one and talk about where we think season two is going to be going. So I'm just going to move on at this point to episode three, The Art of the Swoon. Uh, writing credit goes to Leila Coenicio, and directing credit goes to Tom Verica. Synopsis, after Daphne catches the eye of a royal suitor, she turns to Simon for relationship advice. Lady Featherington tries to browbeat Marina into marriage. Um, a lot going on in this episode. A lot of things happened. We had Zijaman. Uh, or more, I guess, appropriately, the Prussian, uh, come and introduce himself. Looks exactly like a Disney prince, which I really appreciate. Blonde, has slight mutton chops, um, big old German cross hanging around his neck. Um, enjoyed. It's good at this point because we've had um, two episodes of the Duke of Hastings being... Um, Charming and brooding and scandalous and scoundrel-like, almost like Han Solo, but he's starting to get a little more cruel, especially with what happens in the episode, where he basically gives her up at one point and says, well, there's the prince in town. He, nobody's being honest with their feelings, which is actually a pet peeve of mine when it comes to any type of um, fiction or story, is when people just don't communicate and all their problems can be solved, but that may just have to do with more of um the kind of work that I do that I just wish people would communicate more and just be upfront about things. So I guess it is believable, especially in this day and age, and it works for the story. Um, obviously, there has to be a gratuitous tongue-licking scene where he's um, the dude is licking the spoon because it has to be. It's a bodice ripper. Um, I do think it's interesting how marriage proposals work. 
that I've always been of the opinion that you shouldn't ask, you, you shouldn't propose to someone or ask for their hand in marriage, whether it's, um, you know, whichever gender is asking the other one without knowing what the answer is going to be. But all of this really does seem like a business proposition, almost like um, if you were doing online dating these days or hiring a matchmaking service. And it was, well, we go on three dates and it's been a month and then we decide if we want to get married or not. Um, so it is really interesting that it's a whole, the whole family's involved. Suitors come and sit in the drawing room and donate flowers. And it's very interesting. Um, it's nice. It's fun. These are, these are good montages. I'm enjoying them. I do have to think that these people are incredibly, ridiculously privileged as members of the aristocracy. They go to so many parties. Almost every day there's a party. Um, it, it really makes you think that, wow, I can see the, the French Revolution. They, they really had a point there because um, these are a lot of parties and there's, there's just too, too many parties. Although we do get um, an art gallery and um, I think the Duke and Daphne almost touch hands. Very, very sensual, very um, sexy. Um, the scene early on-ish in the park with Daphne and the Duke walking, um, his swagger, you, you, you can hear the director off screen saying, more swagger, more swagger, faster, more intense, uh, which is actually really, really interesting. It, it was way overdone, I think. But um, the colors are so bright and vibrant and the whole garden and the scene pops so much that it just kind of, it's, it's fun. It adds to the character. It's not really distracting because the show isn't necessarily going for that, like, Christopher Nolan, dark, gritty, realistic. It's very much being its own thing, and it takes no prisoners and doesn't make any excuses for itself. Um, so I do think that the, the, the characters were all getting a little stagnant for a while with her brother and his mistress and um, them going back and forth, uh, Duke and Daphne, and will they, won't they? What's going to happen? Is he actually going to propose marriage? And are they going to go into it as a business arrangement, or are they just doing it for the time being, for the suiting, to make distractions? Um, I think the episodes could probably be 10 minutes shorter, if it was my personal preference, um, just because I think there's a lot of filler and fluff in there. But obviously that's part of it when you have a costume drama like this, is you just want to have more uh, time on the screen and more um, opportunity for the characters and for the scenes and the sets to really just soak in everybody's eyes. But uh, with that being said, I do think that the characters are really moving forward into a good spot at the end of the episode, that we finally have Daphne moving forward and getting over the Duke and saying, you know, he was a scoundrel and he was fun, but um, I'm, I'm not sitting around and, and, and crying into my uh, tea. So she's going to start dancing with the Prussian, and obviously things will either move forward with the two of them, or it will make the Duke jealous, and he'll realize he has to get his stuff together. And he can't just keep living life the way that he did. Um, I think at some point he has to realize that the hatred he had for his father doesn't mean that he doesn't actually have to get married. That um, he accomplished his goal just by telling his father on his deathbed that he wasn't going to get married. It's a pretty dour and dark thought to leave this off with. So I guess I'll just say that it seems like the Prussian prince only has one wardrobe. And I don't think that's realistic for the aristocracy, especially a prince traveling at this time. I think he would have had lots of handlers and would have multiple military outfits to wear. Um, I also think he should have a hat at some point, but we haven't seen that yet. But um, thank you, everybody, and um, talk to you soon.